0: Go ahead and get in your Bible to Proverbs chapter 10. Proverbs chapter 10. We are uh, getting close to the end of uh, this special class. Uh, plan to uh, be in here uh, until the last Sunday of uh, December, and then uh, after that, you know, you can go back to your regular class if you don't have a regular class. I hope you'll come in my class. I uh, teach a uh, what's defined as a young couples class, but that's. kind of broadly defined it doesn't mean you have to be under 24 uh, but I would love to have you in in class if you don't and if you have a different one I would encourage you to go back to that Uh, we've got lots of good classes lots of good teachers and appreciate it should be in Proverbs 10 as always uh, we're going to start with uh, some of the questions you turned in should I push a sport on a child who is developing a lazy attitude Uh, I I don't personally believe sports should be pushed on anyone, (laughs) though I do believe that participating in sports, it helps kids burn energy, it helps them stay healthier, helps them build confidence in themselves, it helps them uh, learn to get along with others. Uh, I I do also strongly believe it's very healthy to limit the amount of screen time that your kids have per day. By screen time, I'm talking about phone, tablet, uh, television, um one of the things if uh, you might find shocking, you take children's cartoons, uh, they can sit there for two hours and you might think you're helping your child build, uh, you know, this skill of paying attention, but you go ahead, watch a children's cartoon and count, and they never stay in the same scene more than three seconds. And so what happens is as your child watches these cartoons, they're not actually learning how to pay attention. What they're doing is just constantly have this idea fed that I don't have to pay attention. And, and so I really strongly recommend limiting their screen time. Uh, I mean, there, there's no verse in the Bible that says how much that should be, but I mean, a couple hours a day uh, behind a screen of any time, I think that's plenty under under most Uh, situations I mean I I know now that so you know sometimes kids are doing remote learning and sometimes their teachers are online and so you know there's a couple caveats uh, to that Uh, give them age-appropriate chores if they're uh, over 10 they should have some specific work that you have assigned that they do to earn money Uh, You you need to deeply implant in the heart of your child that being lazy uh, brings them poverty, bad health, and lack of fulfillment. Poverty, bad health, and lack of fulfillment. (laughs) That is the ultimate product of of laziness. Uh, If they're interested in a sport, I would do that. Uh, WE LOVED PLAYING SPORTS, Uh, MY WIFE DIDN'T PLAY ANY GROWING UP, BUT uh, I DID, AND I ENJOYED THEM. OUR our BOYS, THEY ALL PLAYED uh, SOCCER IN THE FALL, AND BASKETBALL IN THE WINTER, AND BASEBALL IN THE SPRING, AND uh, WE JUST LET THEM PARTICIPATE IN THOSE AT A RECREATIONAL LEVEL, YOU KNOW, ONE PRACTICE, ONE GAME A WEEK FOR THE MOST PART, AND uh, THAT WAS ENOUGH RUNNING AROUND And uh, I I happen to like them, but, uh, you know, if you don't and they don't, that's fine too. Uh, I would be looking for good hobbies that interest them. Uh, Remember this simple thing. The more excited you are about something, the more excited they're going to be about it. If you are excited about sports, they will more naturally be excited about it. If you just, you you know, they're not going to like it either. Uh, And and so, I I think as a parent, you you know, you're always wiser to save this card, I'm going to force them to, and then you fill in a blank. Save that card for the most essential things. Try to motivate them to do what you want them to do first and foremost, and then sometimes you're just going to have to force them to do uh, what's good for them because that's part of being a parent and a kid. Uh, My last sentence here says, motivate when possible and force when necessary. (laughs) Uh, Question number two, a homeschooled child keeps giving my public school child a hard time and insulting them for their education. What should I do? Uh, This is one of those teachable moments for your child. Uh, You need to have enough confidence that you prayed and got wise counsel and that you picked the best method to educate your child You need to have enough confidence that you did that. And so when people are critical of it, it doesn't affect you as much. You need to have confidence in in what you've done. Um, This is an opportunity to teach your child why you made the choice that you chose. You know, anybody that says that homeschool has no weaknesses or Christian school has no weaknesses or public school has no weaknesses, they have their head in the sand. You need to understand what the weaknesses are associated with whatever method you choose as their parent to educate your child, and you need to compensate for them. You need to help them through those weaknesses, and this is a teachable moment. Use it, and you know, pick the right method to educate your children that works for you and your family. Um, I, I get, you, you need to just accept that most people make it a part of their mission to feel like anybody who doesn't educate their children the way uh, they do, they're going to be critical of that. You need to just embrace that, okay? That, that, that's, that, that's unwise, but it's the way people are. And uh, by the way, I do believe you ought to be confident enough in whatever you chose that you're confident it's right for you and your kids. I just think you ought to mind your own beeswax. Uh, question number three, When should we expose our child to unsaved friends and their kids? Uh, From the time uh, that they are allowed to go to nursery and Sunday school and master clubs and children's church? Uh, I personally don't believe that anyone becomes strong in their faith until they understand what they chose and why they chose it. Uh, Now, as a parent, that's a fearful thing. You know, because we, we want our children to not have the freedom we had to choose. Uh, But the fact of the matter is, is they they are going to choose, and there's a healthy kind of biblical separation, and what I would say is do that and explain it at age-appropriate times. Now, for Sharon and I, we always preferred that our children be exposed to things in the church environment because there was always more support there for what's right. By the way, if you think in the church environment that there is not plenty of support for what's wrong, then you underestimate people. All right, there's plenty of stuff that goes on in a church environment too. It's just that there's more support for what's going on that's right. Uh, it was our feeling that if our children ended up exposed to something at an age that we thought was too young, we just assumed that the Lord wanted them to expose them to that, and that it became a teachable moment for us. L- listen, every parent, we, we we don't want our children to learn about the birds and the bees till 8th grade, you know, uh, or you pick whatever it is. But fact of the matter is, is in, in, in our world, uh, you're going to have to give them some explanation long before that, uh, and, and you just need to embrace you doing the best you can to protect your children, and then trusting the Lord with how that doesn't work out like you wish it did, and use those as teachable moments instead of being angry at everybody else. Question number four, how do you answer your child when they say, I tried my best, but they still do poorly on something? Uh, Nearly every child is going to say, I tried my best (laughs) all the time. Uh, You, as the adult and as the parent, you need to have a better idea on what actually is their best and, uh, and help them uh, with that. I mean, think about this. What percentage of people actually give their best without the outside influence of a parent or a coach or a teacher? Probably almost zero. And, and, and understand that it almost always takes an outside influence to get the best out of anyone. And that's a part of why you're there. You know, if your child spent four or five hours studying uh, 25 spelling words and their study method was reasonable and they got a C, you know what? You ought to be happy with a C. If your child spent 30 minutes studying 25 uh, spelling words and they got a C, you ought not to be happy with that. You need to learn... You need to ask questions. You need to just not pretend that you're living in a bubble. Learn what age-appropriate responses and performance are. Otherwise, you're going to believe your kids, saying, yeah, I tried my best, I tried my best. Uh, They might have and they might not have. You need to know better and uh, and help them. Uh, By the way, every child needs a mixture of grace and wisdom and toughness. Uh, every child needs those things, and it's your job to be wise enough and prayerful enough to, and have enough good courage to do that. Question number five, I have difficulty competing. How do I better manage that to model being more competitive for my children? Uh, first, uh, I think we too often only link being competitive with sports. Uh, you do have to be competitive in sports, but have you ever thought that almost all of life, in some way or another, is a competition? I mean, competing for the boy or girl they want to spend their life with, right? Competing for a job, competing for promotions, competing in academics. I I, I mean, competition in itself is not bad. It it is important that our children not just learn how to win when they win. It's important to learn uh, how to lose, but not like losing. Have you ever thought about this? Because we only link competitiveness with sports wrongly, you know, by the time most children are, are conscious of their parents, their parents are no longer playing competitive sports. And so if you're going to model personal excellence and uh, embracing com- uh, competition most of the time, you're going to have to do it in areas other than sports. You know, let them see you uh, compete and do well at, at what you do, wh- whatever you do. Uh, let them see you do that. And... Um, what I would recommend, you know, because some kids, they excel at physical things. Other kids excel at uh, mental things. Some kids, kids can sell, excel at memory things. You know, vary what you compete on as a family so that one kid isn't always the winner. You know what? You have some kids, uh, they might be terrible at games. Play some games of chance. Pure love. I personally, I hate playing games that take no skill. I despise games that have nothing to do but luck with how it turns out. But you know what? You might need to play some of those games with your kid to give that kid who struggles more in some of the other areas some opportunities to win. You know, be wise. Um, and, and, and understand, you being encouraging to them uh, when they compete well especially when they're young, is way more important than when they win. Listen, for years, their snack will be way more important than who won the game. And and so you being encouraging, hey, I saw you on that one play when you really hustled down there, great job. You might not like this, but uh, when our kids were five playing lollipop soccer, uh, I would say to them before the game, I said, I want you to look across the line at that kid over there, and I want you to growl at him, (laughs) Now, I don't know if they ever did that. But 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 <laughs> if you don't like that, don't do it with your kid. I would much rather have a kid that just competes at everything and I'm chilling them down than a child who won't compete at anything. Most of life is competition. You know, um, you can either embrace it or, or you can fight against it and your child will be hurt because you, you don't. Uh, some interesting but uh, not always serious quotes. Uh, by the time a man realizes that his father might have been right, he usually has a son who thinks he's wrong. Uh, some thoughts to ponder about parenting. Recognize that each of your children are different and so they need something different from you at times. Uh, favoritism is not something they need. Uh, second, interesting thought uh, to ponder uh, give your children what they really need instead of all the things you didn't have. Uh, the third thought to ponder teach your children that life isn't fair, but be as fair and just with them as you possibly can be. Uh, today we're on week 13 of our 15 weeks together so we'll have uh, today on the 13th we'll have the 20th and the 27th and then you can go back to your adult classes and go back to quote normal and again if you don't have an adult Bible class I would love for you to to be in the one I teach in here Uh, I don't have all the answers uh, but I do want to help you I believe with all my heart and have at this point in my life seen with my own eyes that God knows more about what it takes to have a meaningful life than anybody else. And so when we uh, want our children to have a meaningful life, a purposeful life, a good life, then we must turn to our Creator, to the Scripture to see what He has taught us. We've been talking lately about character, uh, teaching our children character. Uh, Remember, character is learned behavior. It is different from talent. Uh, It is learned behavior. And we began talking about teaching them to appreciate and identify with the gender God gave them. We talked about uh, teaching them and helping them have a healthy image of themselves. And I keep repeating this because I really want it deeply in your heart. uh, Because we live in a world that wrongly defines self-esteem. It is not the child who has the highest view of themselves who succeeds. It is the child with the most realistic view of their strengths and weaknesses that succeeds say, Brother Wally, why is having a realistic view of their weaknesses matter? How do you know what to work on? Uh, We talked last week about teaching them to receive instruction and admonition. We talked about teaching them to be responsible and holding them responsible when we can. We talked about teaching them personal excellence and to give their best to whatever it is that they're doing. And today I want to talk about three more uh, character qualities. Uh, The first one, uh, Proverbs chapter 10. Proverbs chapter 10. By the way, as we go through these character things, what you're going to find is that there are some of these character qualities that we'll say to ourselves, wow, you know what, I do pretty well at that. And then there's other of these character qualities that we need to be honest and say, you know what, this is not a good part of my character. And that's what character is. It's learned behavior. We recognize areas of our life that need improvement, and we work on them. And it's one of the best things that will help our children as they watch us work on ours. Uh, Proverbs chapter 10, verse 4 says, He becometh poor that dealeth with a slack hand. But the hand of the diligent maketh rich. Here's number one. Teach them to be a good worker and to be diligent. Notice according to verse 4, what is the result of dealing with a slack hand, of being lazy? What does it say? Poverty. Anybody here? Lift your hand if you want your children to be poor. If you dream for your child and I'm not criticizing anybody who ends up like this but if you want your if your dream for your child is to be in a used trailer on a rented lot working for minimum wage i would be highly surprised we must teach them to be diligent look at chapter 12 and verse 24 chapter 12 and verse 24 it says the hand of the diligent shall bear rule but the slothful shall be under tribute. Let me ask you this. Would you prefer your child be a leader or a follower? Diligence is one of the things that helps someone be a, a, a leader. Look at chapter 21, verse 5. And by the way, we're looking at some of these verses because I want us to understand this is a repeated, repetitive theme. Proverbs 21, verse 5 says, The thoughts of the diligent tend only to plenteousness, but every one that is hasty only to want. In other words, if you're diligent, what's going to be the result of your thinking process? You're going to have plenty. You're going to have enough and then some to spare. But you know what? If you're in a big hurry, you're not going to get much. Chapter 22, verse 29. Chapter 22, verse 29. Says, uh says, Seest thou a man diligent in his business? He shall stand before kings. He shall not stand before mean men. Now, mean in that context doesn't mean they're um, mean and nasty. It means average. It means uh, not good. Uh, What kind of a boss do you want your kid to have? The diligence and work ethic of our children has a huge impact on their life. And the wise man, as he taught his son, clearly, repetitively taught him to be diligent, so he could be wise and fulfilled in life. By the way, that is also the clear teaching of the New Testament. In the interest of time, we won't turn there because it doesn't fall on our soft American ears as well, but Paul said in 2 Thessalonians 3.10, he says, when we were with you, this we commanded you, that if any would not work, neither should he eat. (laughs) Now that's different from the political philosophy that gets votes for a lot of candidates. Listen, personal charity is a part of our Christian faith. But so is motivating someone to be diligent starting in our own home. And by the way, just to be really clear, personal charity is very different from the government taking money from those who are diligent to give to those that the government deems as being good candidates for charity. One of the worst things that we can do Uh, for our children is decide that we had it too tough and take all their toughness away. A lot of people consider the uh, men and women that fought in World War II, uh, they call them the greatest generation. Have you guys heard that before? Um, I don't know whether they were or not. I do know this. What they did was really, really significant. Here's another interesting historical tidbit The World War II generation returned from war and raised the Vietnam generation. They're the ones that raised the people in the 1960s and early 70s who were counterculture. Uh, I don't know whether the World War II generation was the greatest generation. I know they raised a generation that was not a good generation. Uh, Maybe the greatest generation was a generation that raised the World War II generation. Hard work has value in and of itself, whether it's at the end of a shovel or punching the keys on a keyboard or keeping a room clean or doing whatever it is that you do. And adversity and difficulty bring out those things in people versus a life of ease does not develop them at all. You know, one of the char- let me ask you, is one of the character qualities that you're focused on teaching your children diligence and good work ethic. I have personally listened to parents uh, in their uh, 40s and 50s complain about the work ethic of younger generation people in their uh, in their workplace, and I know that they raise their children lazily. In other words, it's super easy to be critical of how everybody else parents their children, but it takes a lot of good courage to parent our own children and to teach them to be diligent. Which brings up a good question how can I teach my children to be diligent? Uh, The first thing I have set an example by your own effort. Do they hear you complain and fight over work? is all your children see is to watch you sit around home and leave things undone, and then they listen to you complain about how bad your work was, and they listen all the time about how bad your attitude about work is. How does that help them? How can I teach my children uh, diligence? Here's the next thing I have. Don't use productive work as a part of discipline. Uh, If you insist on using work as discipline, use unproductive work or someone else's work. Their work you never want to associate with punishment. You always want to associate work and diligence with fulfillment. Uh, Have age-appropriate chores around the house. Some with pay and others just because they're in the family. Uh, next week we'll talk about, when we're talking about uh, character, we're talking talk about uh, t- how to teach our children to manage their own money. Uh, listen, you can't manage your own money and learn how to manage your money if you don't have any money. They ought to have some things that they do just because they're part of the family and some things they do uh, for, for money. Uh, in our house, you are not allowed to have, quote, play time until you finish your work. Now, when they came home from school, we would give them, you know, 15 minutes or so to, to unwind and to be chilled, and then you pretty much, you finish your work. Schoolwork before play. Whatever's on your chore list, do that. Somebody turned in the question, what's appropriate work for a six-year-old? I'll find out what's appropriate for a six. They can, uh, they can make their bed. They can straighten out their shoes. By the way, it doesn't matter if they don't do it, Great. They ought to do it as well as a six-year-old can do it. Uh, Just find what what you can have them do around the house and and have them do it. Um, We made our boys uh, start working, mowing the yard when they were ten. We got them a paper route at ten. By the way, when you have a paper route at ten, what that is is it's really mom and dad's paper route. In other words, they're walking around with a paper bag, uh, putting them on the porch, right, Caleb? Not throwing them on the roof? Hey, listen, kids are going to be kids. Listen, if you're not watching them, they're going to. Whoosh, whoosh. So you walk around behind them. And, and he wasn't the only. Were you the one that threw it on the roof? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> How do, how do they learn to work unless you make them work? Now, now where I grew up in the, in the country, it was really easy. Uh, first off, I mean, everybody's outside working. And you weren't allowed to sit inside. And so you're out in the barn, you know, and mom's like, hey, carry that crate. Move that over there. Sort those. Make those bags. Carry that back. Water the chickens. Y- you know, super easy in, in a rural setting like that. But in the city, like most of us live, you're going to have to do some things on purpose. Um, <laughs> turn back a few pages to Proverbs 6. And, and I know a lot of you are going to hate this, but it, I, I wish you would just embrace the fact that this is one of the most important things you do. Uh, pick a wake-up time and get them up. Notice what Proverbs 6 says in verse 9. says, How long wilt thou sleep, O sluggard? When wilt thou rise out of thy sleep? And here's the sluggard's response. You had a little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to sleep. Here's the result of that attitude. So shall thy poverty come as one that traveleth, and thy want as an armed man. And just like if you're traveling around, you make no money. And just like if you're walking around in those days with a sword and the spear, nobody's going to say, hey, would you like some bread? They're afraid of you. Pick a wake-up time and get them up. You may not agree with this, but I believe anybody who considers themselves a night owl is only like that because they were allowed to have a shifted body clock in their mind and in their life when they were kids. Uh, Now, in our particular house, we picked 8.30 uh, to wake up and uh, 9 on on Saturdays, holidays. No one was ever allowed to sleep past those uh, from the time they were toddlers. Uh, I'm talking about 18 to 24 months old to wake them up. Do you you know why people don't do that? Because you don't want to get out of bed. Now, you might think that's extreme, but listen, uh, I'll tell you what's extreme. Somebody who's an adult who can't get out of bed. And that will hurt them and their work ethic in every way all their life. It doesn't matter whether they're a homemaker or whether they work in a business or a factory. If you can't get out of bed, it is going to be a handicap all your life. Uh, Teach them uh, by word and example to be punctual and preferably early. Uh, Here's another thing, and again, I know you're not going to like this. Pick reasonable bedtimes to get them to sleep. Pick a time early enough to give you some time with your spouse. See, parents don't want to do that because they don't want their kid to get up early. They want to sleep in. And so what you do in the end is you, A, hurt your marriage because you won't put them to bed, and then, B, you hurt your child because you don't get them up. In our house, if you, when it was time to get up, if you whined about getting up or you're grumpy in the morning, we just put you in bed earlier. Do you know what people do when they have to go to bed earlier when they won't get up and are grumpy when they get up? They change their attitude. You just need to get some old-fashioned intestines. Guts. Guts. Uh, get them an alarm clock and teach them to get up by themselves on time when they're young. I'm talking about before they're a teenager. Your 10 and 11-year-old ought to be able to set their alarm clock and get themselves up with an alarm. Listen, that is a life skill. I I would be ashamed of myself if I was a man and my wife had to wake me up every morning because I couldn't get up to an alarm clock. And if that's you, I don't know who you are, but you ought to be ashamed of yourself. Teach them that people with more than them don't owe them anything because they have more. That that is such an important life attitude. Go in your Bible to 1 Timothy chapter 6, talking about teaching our children character. And I took a lot of time on that because it, it is so important and it's so easy to be negligent. By the way, don't think for a moment that our boys agreed with this philosophy of, 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 of life when they were being raised. They did not. Because a lot of their buddies at church, they didn't have to get up. I don't care. I, I, I mean that. I, as a parent, and you've heard me say this, uh, no regrets you, if your child goes and does things that are completely contrary to what you believe and, and all that, you need to be able to put your pit, head on your pillow and say, do you know what? I pointed him in the right direction. Here's the second thing. First Timothy chapter 6, verse 17. Here Paul says, Charge them that are rich in this world that they be not high-minded, nor trust in uncertain riches, but in the living God, who giveth us richly all things to enjoy. By the way, I've got that little phrase Highlighted in my Bible says, God who giveth us richly all things to enjoy. Here's number two. Teacher and children that God intended for this life and world and the things they have to be enjoyable. Everything God has given you, he gave you to enjoy. Paul wanted Timothy to be sure Christian people understood that. Listen, there's far too many people, and they walk around, they lament life and the Christian life and ministry and complaining. Uh, What a shame. I get it that all of us sometimes we get in in, in just a bad spot and and we catch ourselves complaining. But listen, uh, complaining and whining about life and being unhappy in life, that, that ought to be something other than the normal I resent people who uh, feel like following Christ ought to be synonymous with being solemn. Listen, uh, I mean, your life as a Christian ought to be characterized by smiles. Uh, honestly, I, I can. There's, you know me. My, my son is here. My daughter-in-law is here. My wife is normally here. She's uh, driving back from uh, helping her dad up in, in, in Toledo for a few days. Y- you know what? Uh, I'm a happy person. I-, I didn't say I don't have bad days. I didn't say I don't get tired. I didn't say I don't sometimes get too short-tempered. I- I- I'm not saying that. Uh, but y- you know what? The general testimony of, of your life should be, you know what? I'm a happy person. I remember um, it was a manager's training uh, meeting, and uh, they—I uh, there was maybe 20 of us there, and the facilitator uh, asked people, just kind of as an icebreaker, just for people to describe what they did for the company and uh, you know, what they thought about their company and the job. And I was about halfway through, and, and I just couldn't believe it. The first half of the people, you, you know, they just were so negative about their job, about their company. And it got to me, and, uh, I, you know, I just had had it. And, and I said, you know, I've worked for three companies. I've got to be honest with you guys. This is the best company I've worked for of the three. I said, you know what, my job is tough sometimes, but I like my job. And if I didn't, I would leave. And I don't even understand. If you people are that disgusted and that unhappy, why do you stay here? And then I let it go to the next person. Uh, By the way, you know, after me, people stop complaining. You know why? Because criticism and complaining and lack of enjoyment, it's infectious. Teach your children to enjoy their life. Say, how do I do it? (laughs) Make it a matter of prayer and effort in your own life. Be a positive person. Talk more about what you get to do instead of what you have to do. I don't have to go to church. I don't have to work in the nursery. I don't have to take my turn in cleaning crew. I get to. Point out positive people. Point out positive things around you. Don't reward them ever for uh, whining and complaining. Do you know why a lot of adults are whining, complaining adults? because that's what got them attention and responses when they were growing up. Your children ought to learn very young that if they have a whiny, complaining tone, they get nothing. Work on teaching them to appreciate the things they have. If you can, get them around people that have less. Take them to some some projects, things, uh, to, to places where kids don't have what they have. It'll help them appreciate what they have. And then lastly, go to Psalm 15. Teach them to be diligent and to be good workers. Teach them that God gave them what He gave them for their enjoyment. I I don't understand how you don't just decide to enjoy and appreciate what you have. Why are you so focused on what you don't have? That's a a tactic of the devil. Here's the last thing. Teach them to be dependable. Teach them to be dependable. Psalm 15, verse 1 says, Lord, who shall abide in thy tabernacle? Who shall dwell in thy holy hill? Now he's going to answer that question. He's going to list five things. He that walketh uprightly and worketh righteousness and speaketh the truth in his heart. He that backbiteth not with his tongue nor doeth evil in his, uh, to his neighbor nor taketh up a reproach against his neighbor in whose eyes a vile person is contemned but he honoreth them that fear the Lord. Uh, he that sweareth to his own hurt and changeth not. That phrase there is a powerful phrase. It va- God values he that sweareth to his own hurt and changeth not. In, in other words, you give your word And even if it becomes difficult to keep, you keep it. He that sweareth to his own hurt and changeth not. But what a wonderful character quality. To keep your word, even when it's painful to do so, to be someone who can be counted on and trusted that if you said you were going to do something or you promised something, that you do it. Listen, our word should be as good as our signature or any contract we enter. Listen, our God keeps every word He made. And if you and I are going to be godly, which means like God, it means that we need to, God helping us become people who keep our word and keep our promises. In many ways, dependability is the opposite of selfishness. And selfishness is a battle that all of us face, including our children. Let me ask you a question. Would it have made the earlier days of your marriage better if you'd been less selfish? Maybe this is a pretty important quality for helping our children's future. Listen, all of us understand how difficult it is to keep our word at times because we have to battle selfishness to do it. See, Brother Wally, how do I teach my children to be dependable? Uh, first, setting the example of dependability. Keep your word. Be on time. Finish what you start. Be trustworthy. Be consistent. Keep your promises. How do I teach my children to be dependable? Force them to stick to their word. Unless what they said is wrong or sinful, force them to keep it. Say, Brother Wally, why would you do that? Ever know anybody that is careless about what they promise? All of us do. They make a promise, they say something, it's really you learn, it's just to get you off their back. Listen, one of the best things you give your children is this idea, I need to be careful what I promise to do. I need to be careful what I promise to do. This is a life skill, it's a part of character. Force them to finish what they start. Listen, if our kids were three and we were playing Candyland, we played Candyland to the end. Now, if I got sick of it somewhere in the middle, I might begin dealing off the bottom of the deck of cards. But we finished what we started. That's, you're teaching them. If it's worth starting, it's worth finishing. Don't let them get out of things making excuses that don't really stop them. Listen, stop letting them, <laughs> I'm tired, be an excuse for being a rear-end head to everybody else. Stop letting your young girls feel like if it's that time of the month, they can be nasty. Stop letting your boys say, you know what, I was angry, and that's an excuse for being with them. Listen, they ought to be consistent, dependable, trustworthy. It is an incredible character quality, and it is learned behavior. Praise them when you watch them keep their word and it costs them something to keep it. Remember, parenting isn't just about criticism. It's about speaking positive things when they do it. Listen, watch for it. Watch for your child to keep their word and it costs them something. Pull them aside after and say, you know, I saw you do that and you kept your word. Great job. Diligent, enjoying life, dependable. Lord willing, next week, uh, we'll talk about three more character qualities to teach our children and some ideas of how to do that. Uh, Please, you should have a little card. Uh, Write down a question. Write a smiley face. Do something and uh, fold it in half. Set it in a pile up here and and I'll get it later. Uh, God bless you. You're dismissed.